0: 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 to 34. 1 Corinthians 11, 17 to 34. Now in giving these instructions, I do not praise you since you come together, not for the better, but for the worse. For first of all, when you come together as a a church, I hear that there are divisions among you, and in part, I believe it. For there must also be factions among you, that those who are approved may be recognized among you. Therefore, when you come together in one place, it is not to eat the Lord's Supper. For in eating, each one takes his own supper ahead of others, and one is hungry and another is drunk. What? Do you not have houses to eat and drink in? Or do you despise the church of God and shame those who have nothing? What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I do not praise you. For I received from the Lord that which I also delivered to you that the Lord Jesus, on the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat. This is my body which is broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. In the same manner, he also took the cup, and after the supper, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood. This do as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death till he comes. Therefore, whoever eats this bread or drinks this cup of the Lord... In an unworthy manner will be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of the bread and drink of the cup. For he who eats and drinks in an unworthy manner eats and drinks judgment to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this is the reason many are weak and sick among you, and many sleep. For if we would judge ourselves, we would not be judged. But when we are judged, we are chastened by the Lord, that we may not be condemned with the world. Therefore, my brethren, when you come together to eat, wait for one another. But if anyone is hungry, let him eat at home, lest you come together for judgment. And the rest I will set in order when I come. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for this day. Thank you for the new week you've given to us. Thank you that we could all come here together. And thank you for another opportunity to hear from your word. And we pray for Job and Uncle as he's speaking today. And we pray that what he speaks will be from you and that we'll be able to apply it in our everyday life and that we'll remember it as we go home and in your name we pray amen
1: amen good morning church it's always a joy to be together as we were singing with God's wonderful people to remember what the Lord has done for us, to remember his grace, his mercy, his love that he showed for us on the cross of Calvary. And it's also a joy, as always, for us to sit together with, uh, in front of God's holy word. Uh, as we talk about the significance of the Lord's Supper in this passage of First Corinthians chapter 11, I pray that each of us would sit with a heart that is attentive to God's Holy Word, so that we will be able to completely, clearly understand what is it that the Lord desires to speak to each and every one of us. Before we move ahead with 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 17, if you remember, the last time we were looking at this passage, we spoke about doctrines. We spoke about as to how you and I, as the New Testament Church, derive our Christian doctrines. You, I hope you remember when we were studying from First Corinthians chapter ten and eleven, we studied that if Jesus had spoken about it, practicing it by himself, if Jesus had taught his disciples and if the disciples had also practiced it. We, we studied that if the disciples have written this teaching in the New Testament epistles, then that becomes our doctrine for the New Testament church. That becomes our teaching, and that in, in, in a sense becomes our way of life. Just to give you an example for those of you who are here for the first time, we spoke about baptism. Jesus indeed believed and he spoke about baptism. We know that the disciples believed in it, and that was something that they practiced. You read the New Testament epistles, you see as to how it you you understand about the teaching concerning baptism. And therefore, baptism becomes an important doctrine in our assembly today. Now, in this section, Apostle Paul, he deals with an integral teaching for the New Testament church. He talks about an, an important doctrine that we all believe and hold dear to. In fact, That is the focus of what you and I do on a Sunday morning. He talks about the Lord's Supper. He talks about the Lord's Supper. This is something that the Lord Jesus instituted. This is something that he taught the disciples. This is something that they practiced. And you see the teaching in the New Testament epistles. And therefore, the Lord's Supper is an important teaching. It's a valuable doctrine for the New Testament church. So if I were to, if I were to title my sermon this morning, I want all of us to think about how can you and I prepare for the Lord's Supper? How can you and I prepare for worship? How is it that you and I can prepare when we come on a Sunday morning to participate of the Lord's table? Now let me remind all of us that preparation for the Lord's Supper does not begin on a Sunday morning. You agree with me? In fact, when you and I come and sit in the presence of the Lord, what you and I are doing today is an overflow of what you and I have been doing from Monday to Saturday. If you believe with what I say, can you loudly say yes? yes? Every single day, you and I worship God. From Monday all the way up to Saturday. And then once a week, we come together. We sit in God's presence and what you and I do is the overflow of what you and I have been doing. You know, just like we were just singing before the sermon began. I love the thrill that I feel when I get together with gods. It's wonderful people. It's such a joy to see each other's happy faces. Praising God because by His grace, you and I are seated in His presence. And we come together, we encourage one another and we say, Brother, sister, I've been worshipping God throughout the week. Today, it's a joy for me to be with you, to remember the Lord together. How can you and I worship and how can you and I prepare for the Lord's Supper? Now, when you look at 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17 onwards... The Lord's Supper was celebrated in two stages. Now listen to me very carefully. The Lord's Supper was was celebrated in two specific stages. First of all, there was a communal meal, which is what we call as the love feast that you find in the New Testament. The believers would first come together for a communal meal. They would first come together for a love feast. They would have food together. They would share food with one another. And this is where we get the word agape from, love feast, sitting together, enjoying and sharing food with one another. And after they would have their love feast, then became a time of worship, of remembering the bread and the wine, which in the original language actually meant Eucharist. This is where we get the word Eucharist for. And then the word Eucharist actually means thanksgiving. So when the believers would come together, they would come in one accord, in unity. And when they come together, they would share their meal with one another. They would have joy to share food with one another. Share, laugh, be happy that there is this common meal that they come to eat together. And as soon as the meal gets done, they would gather together for worship, for thanksgiving. And that was the time when the bread would be broken, the wine would be shared with one another. And they would all partake of this thanksgiving. But you know what, as, as times slowly begin to pass by, the occasion for coming together was not out of love for one another, but it became out of self-indulgence. Okay, the coming, the occasion of coming together was not for celebration, but rather the celebrations turned into conflicts. And that is why Apostle Paul addresses that issue here. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, verses 17. Now before we go ahead, brothers and sisters, isn't that true of us as born-again believers? You know, whenever we start anything, it always starts with a good intention, right? But sad to say, somewhere down the line, I don't know why, it's probably because we are all humans, we somehow begin to lose focus, right? And then somewhere down the line, even if you were to stop and think, we would find ourselves to amazement that the reason why we used to do this in the first place is no longer the reason we do it again, right? And that's probably what happened in the church at Corinth. When they used to come together, initially, oh man, there was a lot of joy. There used to be this celebration. There used to be this oneness that they had in Christ. They would share their meal with one another. If somebody's sambar got over, that was perfectly fine. I was willing to share it with him. And then they would sit and they would break and they would remember the sacrifice of the Lord. But as time passed by, I was more concerned about my own sambar than my brother's or my sister's empty plate. And I'm wondering why was he or she so haste in finishing their food? And this communal meal started to become a meal of conflict. You know, groups of people would only sit with each other. They would only talk to each other. You know why? Because like all of us would say, I can only sit with like-minded people. You agree with me? I cannot talk to everybody in church because there are some people who think differently from the way I think. So when I walk into church, I might talk to a few people. With the rest of the people, it's a casual, hi, hi, I hope everything's well with you. But with the rest of the people, it's like, wow, it's been a long time since I saw you. And then they would come together for this meal and they would break bread. But it had no significance because the meal was not shared with one another the way God intended it to be. Doesn't it happen to us also many a times? You know, I think of the example in Acts chapter 2. It's so beautiful when the gospel was uh, was shared and the birth of the first church was was written in the scriptures. There it was saying that they sold everything. They brought all they had and they laid it at the feet of the apostles. This was used for the needs of the believers. And if anyone was in need, they would not think twice about selling whatever they had to help that brother in need. And how times have changed over the years and centuries, right? So how can you and I prepare for the Lord's Supper? How can you and I prepare... In participating off the table when we come on a Sunday morning. Apostle Paul deals with three important things here in chapter 11 and verses 17 onwards. Now listen to me carefully. How can you and I prepare as we come together to participate of the Lord's Supper? Firstly, we need to experience unity through our celebration. We need to experience unity through our celebration. Can you look at verse 17 with me? Look at verse 17. He says, In the following directives, I have no praise for you, for your meetings do more harm than good. Okay? I have no praise for you, because your meetings do more harm than good. Brothers and sisters, the reason why we come together is so that we can help one another. Even though we don't have a communal meal on a Sunday, yes, we participate of the Lord's table. But you know, he looks at the Corinth believers and he says, when you come together, you coming together doesn't seem to be helping one another. But rather, you coming together seems to be causing more harm. Just think of that. You know, probably one week, they didn't speak to probably one or two families. But the more the weeks went ahead, more the conflict started to build up. It was not just two or three, it was 10 and 15. And all of a sudden, there was this awkwardness that was created in church. And I don't know if any of us, but probably you and I would have gone through that, right? Because you and I were not careful of conflicts that that were beginning to grow in our hearts. When we walk in through the door, we avoid eye contact with certain people. We don't talk to certain people. And then we start to say, man, it's so awkward now. I'm so afraid to go tomorrow. What if I have to face that person? And there's probably even some of us, for no reason whatsoever, must be wondering, somebody has a problem with me. And us coming together, Apostle Paul says, was doing much more harm than any good. You know, Apostle Paul, when he talks to the church, whenever he talks about the body of Christ, unity was a very important topic for him. Unity was a topic or a theme that was was very close to his heart. For example, please turn with me to chapter 1 and verses 10. If you look at chapter 1, 1 Corinthians, chapter 1, verses 10, you look at what Apostle Paul says. He says, I appeal to you, brothers... In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that all of you agree with one another so that there may be no divisions among you and that you may be perfectly united in mind and thought. So that you will be perfectly united in mind and thought. Now, brothers and sisters, it is difficult for us to be of one mind. Yeah, but I truly believe that it is not impossible even though there might be certain things that you and I might not agree with, the idea that Apostle Paul talks of when he talks about the assembly of God is that in one mind, you and I must be united. You and I must be united in mind and in thought. Come back with me to First Corinthians chapter 11. And I like to read verses 18 and 19. In the first place, I hear that when you come together as a church, there are divisions among you. And to some extent, I believe it. No doubt, there have to be differences among you to show which of you have God's approval. You look at what Apostle Paul says here. Apostle Paul says, I have heard that there are divisions. Or in today's language, if I could use, I hear that there are cliques within the church. There are people who will only stick to each other. And to some extent, I believe that that is happening. Well, Apostle Paul goes on to say, I know that there should be such differences. I know there should be such people who are not concerned with talking to people at the larger extent. They are satisfied with talking to the few people in church. Why? Because when we look at that, we can understand those who have the approval of God. That means if you and I talk to only a few people in church, that is not something that God approves. Does that make sense? If you and I talk only to a few, we avoid the rest. We might have a casual conversation, but we only are comfortable with certain people. Those are not the people who will have the approval of God. Yes, such differences must exist, exist within the church. And that will allow us to understand those that are approved of God. The people who are approved of God are those Who will be able to treat everybody equally in the sight of a holy God. That we are all one in the Lord Jesus Christ. That I will not neither look down on anyone or put down anybody. But rather I will learn to treat everyone as one. People who have the approval of God. Now can I take a minute and give you an Old Testament illustration? It's so interesting in the book of Genesis about 70 people are mentioned who went into the land of Egypt. Right? And in the book of Exodus, for about 480 years later, we see that 70 had become about more than 6 lakh people. And 6 lakh people were taken out of Egypt, had walked across the desert, led by Moses to the promised land. But how many people entered the promised land? Can I hear a number? There were just two families. And that, I think, is what Apostle Paul is trying to say here. It is good to know those who create differences in the church, because then you will understand those who have the approval that comes from God. You think of the Old Testament people, you think of the people of Israel, he looks at the people of Israel and says, even though I called you completely out of Egypt, and I wanted to take you to the promised land, it was too out of the lot that got the approval that comes from God. Because if you remember in chapter 10 verses 6 onwards we had studied about the example of the Old Testament saints. And that I believe is what Apostle Paul is trying to say here. Approved of God. Approved of God. I am somebody approved of God. Why am I approved of God? Because I am somebody who exhibit the action that God desires of me. You know sometimes you and I might behave, talk think in a way, in our local assemblies, and we think that it will be perfectly fine for everybody else. That necessarily does not have to be the case. You and I have to be very careful in the way we behave with people in church, the way we think, the way we talk to people. Now, there's nothing wrong in us showing that we are close to people, but what if we were talking to others to put them down, to say, you don't have friends like I have in church. That's something wrong. What if we talk to particular people in a particular way and others probably because of work, probably because of of, of the salary that we get or probably because of the different kind of ministries that we do. What if we look down on certain kind of people? We might think that this is how I behave, this is how I react, this is how I think and it should be perfectly fine with everybody in church. That is necessarily not the case. That necessarily does not cause or create unity in God's assembly of God. Let me give you an example just to illustrate what I'm trying to say. There was once a church that had gathered together and had decided to go for a picnic. Now in that church, you will know that there are people who are so different from each other, people with different kind of social status, people who are different in their jobs, and there were rich and poor people in that church, and they had gone together for a picnic. And when they had gone for the picnic, they had decided to play a lot of games and one of the games that they decided to play was a game that we often play in our church where they ask two people in groups to come and stand together and these two people will stand and face each other. And what the, what, how we play the game is that we give an egg to one other person. I hope you know what the game I'm talking about. And how the game goes is that the person who's got the egg is supposed to throw it and the other person is supposed to catch it. And after that happens the first time, they both take one step back. And then this person has to throw the egg and it goes to the other way. And then they keep going back until how many of our teams remain that still have an unbroken egg with them. we played that game sometimes, right? Now, while they were playing this game, everybody noticed that there was a, a brother and a sister that was standing there and watching the game. And everybody in the church knew that that family was a family who came from a poor background. And as they were playing this game and as they were having fun, some of the eggs fell down and some of the teams lost. Oh, and there were other teams that were remaining there. But they were still observant of the fact that this brother and sister were watching this game. And as the game was coming to an end, the guy who was organizing it probably thought the brother and the sister wanted to play. He walked up to them and he said, would you guys like to have a chance to play? To which the brother said, no. I was just wondering... As you finish the game, if there are any eggs unbroken that are left, could you please give it to me so that we could take it home and make a meal and have it together? You know, brothers and sisters, many things that you and I do necessarily does not have to be in agreement with one another. You and I might think that it's perfectly fine. But a lot of other people would perceive and look at it in a very different way. I want to encourage all of us, I'm not trying to put any of us down, but I want to encourage all of us till the next time to be careful with the way we behave in church, the way we conduct ourselves in church, the way we talk about ourselves, and the way we talk about others, the way we talk to others, that we learn to treat everybody the same exact way. You know why? Because you and I must learn to experience unity when we come together to celebrate the Lord's table with one another. Because this is the most important thing that the Lord desires from, his, from the hearts of the born-again believers. That you and I walk into church together, we look at one another, and we are able to understand each other, love one another the way that Christ desires of us. And therefore you and I will be able to experience unity when we come together together in the presence of our lord come back to first corinthians chapter 11 and i like to read verses 20 to 22 listen to me carefully 20 to 22 when you come together it is not the lord's supper you eat for as you eat each of you goes ahead without waiting for anybody else one remains hungry another gets drunk don't you have homes to eat and drink in it or do you despise the church of god and humiliate those who have nothing what shall I say to you? Shall I praise you for this? Certainly not. Now listen to me carefully, brothers and sisters. I believe that when Apostle Paul, in verse 20 to 22, he's not talking about the bread and the wine, but he's talking about the meal that, that they shared with one another. But he's not talking about the action of eating the meal, but rather he's talking about the attitude of the heart. He's not talking about how they eat, or how much kubus or bread that they take. no. He's not talking about that, but he's talking about the attitude of the, of the heart. Or in other words, it's interesting that the table reminds us about the selfless act of Christ. How then can you and I be selfish when we come together and serve one another? Does that make sense? When you and I look at the table, this reminds us of the selfless act of the Lord Jesus Christ. How then can you and I be selfish with one another when we come together? Yes, we don't have food together, but when we break the table, probably you and I can look, at, look down on each other. You and I can have wrong intentions. And if, and if you and I are participating of this table, which reminds us of his selfless lack, how can you and I be selfish when we come together and serve one another? Now, how can you and I do this, brothers and sisters? Can I take a minute to talk to us about the aspect of fellowship? Can I take a minute to talk to each and every one of us about growing close to one another? Now, can I give you all, can I give us all a practical example? Probably we can begin by going to our WhatsApp groups. And Calvary Bible Fellowship has not less than how many groups? 50 groups? Yeah, probably there are 50 groups. What if you and I take an effort, no, let's not discuss the numbers now, okay, that's debatable, that's not our concern. What if we begin by going to our WhatsApp groups and saving the numbers of every member in our church? Now, Most of our numbers have the person's photo. So what we can do next is probably study the face and the name. So the next time we come to church, we see the face and we know this is such a such person. And then when we come to church, instead of just saying hi, because we don't know the person's name, we say hi Stephen, hi Morley. That's an effort that we take. That increases our fellowship. You agree with me? So the next time when you and I sit here, or probably an announcement goes by about something that happened, you and I will not be caught sitting there and wondering, I never knew that such a person was coming to our church. Wow, he's been coming, and now something happened to him also. That's our fellowship. What if you and I take an effort to do that? You know, you know, brothers and sisters, can I talk to all of us collectively? I know all, there are many of us who are introverts. That's perfectly fine. God understands that. But as introverts also, can you and I really go out of our shell? Take baby steps. Because if you and I sit in our chairs and say, No, it's difficult for me, nothing is actually going to happen. You know, take baby steps to go out and talk to somebody. You know, you and I would usually hang out with each other. What if this week you and I make it an effort to hang out with somebody we have absolutely nothing in common with? Now you might be thinking, well, we would have nothing to talk about. That's perfectly fine. Why don't you stare at each other for the next one hour? That would be fantastic. You know, share a meal. Maybe you could just share a meal, look at each other and say, "Mm hmm. (laughs) (laughs) But why don't we do that? That's what fellowship is all about. You and I could actually take an effort to know one another because that is what builds, you know, fellowship. You know, brothers and sisters, can I be a little honest and share something with us? This is not a private party. This is a family celebration. This is not a private party where you and I come on a Sunday. We do our part. We partake of what's there. We give in a little bit of what we have and then we go, no, but this is a family celebration when you walk into your home and your siblings come down the stairs your parents walk in none of you would sit there and say i don't know who this person is but you will know everything that is going on in the life of that person and that's the same thing that paul that god desires of the family of god a family celebration that you know what happened to you last week when i check up with you this week i talked to you about what happened last week that I ask you for an update about what I have been praying for. That's what a family is all about. I want to encourage all of us that as we come together, we would do more good than harm. We would do more good than harm. That us coming together would benefit us in getting to know each other on a deeper, meaningful way. Can somebody read for me First Peter chapter one and verse twenty-two? Loudly and quickly, First Peter, chapter one and verse twenty-two. To sin, hmm. The First no, Peter chapter one verse twenty-two. Now that you have okay. By truth, so that you have sincere love for your brother, hmm. Love one another deeply from the heart. Love one another deeply. From the heart. Love one another deeply from the heart. You and I must learn by God's holy word to love one another deeply from the, from the heart. Love one another. A love that we have for our born-again believers is something, is an emotion that comes out of our heart. Number one, Apostle Paul says, we must experience unity through our celebration. Brothers and sisters, we are the family of God. When we come together, we do not come together as friends. We come together as family. When we come together as family, we come together to show our unity in Christ. We come together to celebrate the Lord's table. And we understand each other's weaknesses. We understand each other's shortcomings. We are able to love each other irrespective of the baggage that we carry. And when we come together, it always does more good than harm. Number two, Apostle Paul says, how can you and I prepare for the Lord's Supper? We express the uniqueness of Christ alone we express the uniqueness of Christ alone so not only do we experience unity through celebration but we express the uniqueness of Christ alone can i read for you verse 23 onwards if you look at your bible with me first corinthians chapter 11 and verse 23 for i received from the lord what i also passed on to you the lord jesus on the night he was betrayed took bread he comes. You know what, brothers and sisters, Warren Worsby in his book, he puts it in the best way that I could ever think of. When you and I come into the, in the presence of the Lord, how you and I can prepare for the Lord's table is to think about the uniqueness of Christ. And this is how Warren Worsby explains it. When you and I come in the presence of the Lord, one of the first things that you and I should do is that you and I should... Okay, I'll try that out again. When you and I come in the presence of the Lord, one of the first things that you and I should do is that we should... We should look back. When we sit in the presence of God, we should look back. You read that verse there very clearly. The emblems remind us that Christ died to make all this possible. And you and I sit in the presence of God. You and I must look back and remember why the Lord Jesus Christ died. He wants us to remember how he died. He wants us to remember why exactly he died. Why did the Lord Jesus have to die on the cross? It was not for any sin of his own, but it was for the sin of the entire world. When you and I come into the presence of the Lord, the next time, can we take a moment, as we do every week, and let's take a minute and let's look back. And let's remember we celebrate the death of our Lord Jesus Christ. Let's remember that the Lord Jesus had to die so that you and I can sit in the presence of our God. And we do this by expressing through songs, through praise, through exhortation. We do this vocally and we do this silently as well. As brothers and sisters brought with the precious blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let us never ever forget to look back when we participate of the Lord's table. Not only should we look back, but we must also look ahead. We must also look ahead. You know what it says? It says, Participate of the Lord's table until... A little more louder. Participate of the Lord's table until... You know, this is not a lifelong exercise that we are going to do. This is not a lifelong celebration what we are going to do. In fact, this table talks about the blessed hope that we have in the Lord Jesus Christ. There is coming a day at the voice of the archangel, at the sound of the trumpet, all of us will be caught up with Christ. This table will be removed and we will worship him face to face. Until that day comes, we are called to do this On a weekly basis. Let us always look forward. When we come together. When we participate. Can we also have hope in our hearts? It's not just enough to have that hope in our heart. But I think it is good for us to express it. And say Lord we participated of this table today. But it would be such a joy. For us to be reunited with you today. And again if you choose to tarry for one more week. Prepare our hearts to come next week. And to participate of the Lord's table. We must always look ahead. You remember in 1st John chapter 3, John, the disciple of the Lord, Jesus says, And when he appears, we shall be, and when he appears, we shall all be, we shall be like him. <laughs> because we will see him face to face. We will become like how the Lord Jesus Christ is. You and I must always learn to look forward forward. To the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. We participate of the Lord's table until he comes. We must not only look back. We must not only look ahead. But you and I must look within. Now listen to me carefully as I I say this. You and I must look within. Apostle Paul never says that you and I should be worthy enough to participate. You get that? But in 1 Corinthians he only teaches that when we participate, we participate in a... In a worthy manner. You and I can in fact never be worthy to participate of the Lord's table. That's true, right? And you know it was so beautiful? All the brothers who are sharing today were sharing the exact same thing. All that we deserved was the wrath of God. You and I can never be worthy. So Sunday morning, brothers and sisters, can we look within ourselves? But before we step in, let's not look and say, oh man, I'm not worthy enough. No. All that matters is to participate of the Lord's table in a worthy manner. The uniqueness of Christ is this, that I was born a sinner, I was condemned to eternal damnation, I have been set free by the redemptive price paid by the Lord on the cross of Calvary. That is the redemptive price that you and I have been given because of which you can die. Can sit in the presence of our Lord. Or can all of us join together. As we say Romans chapter 8 and verse 1. There is now no. There is no condemnation. For those who are in. In Christ Jesus. You and I can come into the presence of the Lord. Guilt free. One of the statements that has been encouraging me. The last so many weeks is that. Because of the death of the Lord Jesus on the cross. I do not become sinless. But rather I become blameless. I continue to live in my sinful flesh, but even if I sit in the presence of God in my sinful flesh, because of the Lord Jesus, I become a blameless person. So when I look within, no matter how tough my week was, no matter what you and I would have ever gone through, all that we need to do is confess, sit in the presence of the Lord, and participate of the Lord in a worthy manner. Not saying, Oh Lord, I know I can never be worthy. But it is to simply say, I know what you have done for me on the cross of Calvary, and because of that, my access is clear. I can sit in the presence of our Lord. We need to look ahead. We need to look back at what the Lord has done for us. We need to look ahead at the coming of the Lord Jesus when this will be removed, and we also need to look within. One more thing that Warren Worsby says is that we need to look around. Now, listen to me carefully as I explain this. We shouldn't look around with a judgmental look, but rather look around and see those that have come today. Brothers and sisters, can I encourage you just for, just for five seconds? Can you just look around? Look around. Yeah? Now let's just look ahead. And just think of the members of our church alphabetically. Study from A, B, C. Think of all the people who didn't come today. Now I don't want to encourage all of us to message that one person. That person might get scared. <laughs> A person might be wondering, something happened in church today. I've got 40 messages. What if we called that person today and we said, hey, I missed you in church today. What happened? Is there something I could pray? There are probably so many people who are sick. The weather is changing in Bangalore. What if we visited them during the week? Right? It takes effort. But that's what fellowship is all about. What if somebody is out of station? We could say, you know what, I'll pray for you when you're getting back. And we could let the church know. I don't want us to be satisfied in our shell and say, no, this is just my life. No, it's our family. You and I need to be concerned with one another. If you didn't show up, brother, I want to know why. Because I'm not wondering what you were doing on Saturday night. No, but rather I want to help you get better in your relationship with the Lord. And that's something that you and I need to do as we look around. In order for us to know how many people turned up at church, first of all, we should know how many people are regularly coming to church, right? Only then can we look around and say, oh, oh yeah, who is sitting next to me? I didn't see that. And that's fellowship. That's taking an effort to get to know one another in church. Apostle Paul says, when you and I prepare our hearts for worship, we must experience unity through celebration. You and I must express the uniqueness of Christ. Number three, what Apostle Paul talks about is, you and I must be careful of unworthy actions. That you see from verse 27 onwards. That's what we read here on a Sunday every week. Observing an examination. And we are going to look at it the following week, when we have time to study from God's word together. Being careful of unwanted actions being careful of anything that you and I do in the presence of the Lord that would not allow our worship to be acceptable to him. This is the significance of the Lord's Supper. Brothers and sisters, when we come together on a Sunday, probably there are some of us who come with a lot of baggage, a lot of burden and a lot of pain. Probably that burden, that baggage, that pain... Doesn't help you to participate the Lord the way the Lord intended of you to participate. I want to encourage each and every one of us to take a minute and understand that there is no condemnation. I can never condemn you for anything that, dis- that would not allow you to participate of the Lord's table. If there is any of us who are struggling with that, can I ask and encourage you to take a minute and ask the Lord for forgiveness for diluting the essence and the significance of the Lord's Supper. Probably, brothers and sisters, there are many of us, myself included, guilty of the fact that we've been a little too judgmental. We've forgotten that this is all about unity and celebration. But rather, us coming together is not a moment of celebration, but a moment of conflict. That I look down on a lot of people because I've judged them according to my human standard. Could we again take a minute to ask the Lord for forgiveness and understand that we express our unity through celebration that we come together to participate of the Lord's table because this table reminds us of the uniqueness of Christ. If there's any of us sitting like that, can we also take a minute and can we say, Lord, I'm so sorry that I've been so stone-hearted, that I've been like Pharaoh, that I have thought that my problems are my problems and I want to be so close that I do not want to let anybody in. Understand that if you and I need to be a part of the family of God, there is no other way. We have to let each other in. My dear friends, can I take a minute to talk to each and every one of you? Probably you've heard me talk, use words like family. You've heard me use words like celebration. you heard me use words like unity. My dear friend, I want to give you an extend a hand of invitation to enter into this family of God. Probably you've heard this so many times or you're hearing this for the very first time You would have noticed the brother standing here and saying that this is only meant for certain people who are part of the family of God. The Bible very clearly states that when God created man in his own image and likeness, man committed sin and he was chased away from the family of God. God sent his only begotten son to come into this world to die for wretched sinners like us. And if anybody would choose to be a family of God, if it is you sitting and listening to God's word right now, can I encourage you to take a minute. To make that decision to become a part of God's family. To become a part of Calvary Bible Fellowship's family. All you need to do, wherever you are seated, is to pray in your heart. Oh Lord, I believe that I am a sinner. I believe that you died on the cross for my sin. I want to ask for the forgiveness of my sin. I want to become your child. The Bible very clearly states, to those who call upon the Lord, to them God has given them the privilege to be called His children. And that is God's family. There are many of us who are the family of God. It is our desire that you would make the decision and you would also become a family, part of the family of God. Can I encourage all of us just for a minute to close your eyes and bow your head? Everybody, just to close your eyes and bow your head. The only reason I ask us to close our eyes is so that we examine ourselves in the light of what we've studied today. God has spoken to each and every one of us in a very different way. Brothers and sisters, if you and I have been judgmental, if you and I have been close to people to make others jealous, to let others, pe- to, uh, to let others know that they do not have something that we have, that it does not promote unity in the Lord Jesus Christ. Can we ask the Lord Jesus to forgive us in only talking to a few but not talking to everybody else? Can we ask the Lord to give us the strength and the grace that we need to teach us to love one another deeply from our heart? Can we take the next few minutes ask the Lord to forgive us and renew our fellowship in the Lord Jesus Christ? If there is any of us who have not accepted the Lord Jesus, would you be willing to ask the Lord Jesus to come and live into your heart? Would you ask the Lord Jesus to forgive you of your sins and ask him to make you his child. Can we all take a minute and pray. And then we will close. Father God. We as sinners come into your presence. Having been forgiven. We as, 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 as jealous. Violent and vile people. Touched by the grace of God. Come into your presence. And we thank you. For the significance of the Lord's table, broken and shed for us. Thank you that we could participate by looking back at what you've done for us on the cross. And we partook of it, looking ahead to your coming, O Lord Jesus Christ. We want to learn to look within and know that there is no condemnation. And we want to look at each other and love one another. And not be judgmental with one another. Enable us to express unity through our celebration. Enable us to always talk about the uniqueness of the Lord Jesus Christ. Father God, we thank you for this opportunity. God give an opportunity to remember your sacrifice for us on the cross. Thank you Heavenly Father. And if you are to return today, what a joy. It would be for us to be reunited with you. But for whatever reason only known to you, if you choose to tarry, enable us to live a life... That is worth pleasing to you. Take all the glory, the praise, because you alone are worthy to receive it. In Jesus Christ's holy precious name we ask and we pray. Amen. I am not the announcer today. Can you all hear me in the back? Thank you.